Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Come on, man, can we get up for all of our moms? Moms, we love you, we appreciate you, you are the best. You know, when I think about my mom, my mom loves a good old-fashioned family reunion. When all the kids get together, everybody comes together. And you know, sometimes you got to make t-shirts and it look a little, little different. Well, this morning, welcome to family reunion, and we got a t-shirt for you to work in the yard with, Amen. Welcome. We're so glad that you are here. One of the most important things in life is family. And what I love about the church, the local church, is the church becomes a family to each of us. The body of Christ, one of the wonderful images of the body of Christ is a family. Often what we miss in our natural families, we find in the spiritual family, the church. And my hope and my prayer is this, is that what you're lacking in the natural, you'll find in the spiritual realm, in the body of Christ, and the church will be all that she is meant to be in your life. We got some of the most amazing women, some of the most amazing moms. You know, when I think of my mom and I think of ways to describe a mother, these are some of the words that come to me, amazing Accepting, beautiful and brave, caring, compassionate, fair yet fun, generous, selfless. I think of a mom, I think of one who is gracious yet hardworking. They're honest and inspirational, kind and so loving, nurturing and how many know protecting there's some mamas that can protect her little ones today, amen. Reliable and smart, strong yet understanding. And I'm so thankful that I had a mom who was understanding today. I want to take you to a passage of scripture which is going to emphasize the importance of a mom and her faith. When you think of a family reunion, you think of generations. You think of several generations, if not for some families, four and even five generations. The faith of a mom has the ability to transform generations to come. And literally, the faith of a mom has the ability to change the world. And the passage I want to teach from today is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse, verse 5 through 7. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5 says this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and then your mother, Eunice. So Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, I remember your faith, but I remember even, even more than your faith. I remember where it came from. I remember your grandmother 
how she trusted the Lord, how she put faith in God. And I remember your mom. And Paul is commending the faith of Timothy. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. Can you say amen? amen? Today, if you'll take your notes out, we're going to begin by talking about our first point, three generations. As I look in the congregation today, I see many families with three generations. And what a blessing that is. I see three generations of faith that started with now the grandparents and then their children and now their children's children are in the house of God. Well, we have a very familiar story that demonstrates how our faith is meant to be passed down from generation to generation. And the first generation, our context would be Lois. Lois is Eunice's mom and Timothy's grandmother. One commentary states this, Paul exalted Lois as a model of Christian faith and saw her as instrumental in nurturing her grandson in the faith. How many are thankful for grandparents that prayed for you? Grandparents that believed in you? Some, your grandparents were more like mom or dad to you, and they were influential in your walk with God today. And then we have the second generation, uh, Timothy's mom. Her name is Eunice. She's the daughter of Lois and the mother of Timothy. Now, what do we know about Eunice? Go with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, this is where were first introduced to Eunice. Paul went first to Derb and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Now to place some context here, this is Paul's second missionary journey. He'd already completed one missionary journey. Now he's going back to encourage uh, the churches. And he's coming back to, to Derb and to Lystra, and he finds a young disciple named Timothy, and here's we have a reference. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. So from this passage, we understand she was Jewish, but she married a Gentile, a non-Jewish man. And his heritage was Greek. One theologian writes, she was a resident of the city of Lystra, where she, her mother Lois, and her son Timothy lived. And they were apparently converted by Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. And Timothy, her son, eventually became one of Paul's most significant helpers. So as you look at the words and uh, the, the scriptures, you begin to cross-reference, you understand that, that many theologians believe that Lois, the grandmother, got saved first. You'll read that in Acts 14, where there's a minor, minor revival breaking out. The supernatural power of God is displayed. How many know we need the supernatural power of God displayed? Our kids need to see the supernatural power of God. 
And then it is in that setting that Lois became a believer and Eunice became a believer. And then we're introduced to the third generation, Timothy. And as you read the book of Acts and the Pauline letters, you begin to see the character of Timothy coming out. Let me give you an important note here. The character of Timothy reflects on the nature and environment of which Timothy was raised in. The character of Timothy reflects the nature and the environment that Timothy was raised in. So let's look at this for a few minutes. Write this under one, spiritual development. As you follow Timothy's life, you begin to see him develop into a mighty servant of God. As you study the New Testament and the Pauline letters, you see that he becomes a missionary associate. He becomes a fellow worker of the Apostle Paul. And he becomes a trusted emissary of Paul over an extended period of time. Over the ministry of Paul's life, you see young Timothy there. He's growing in his calling. He's growing in his maturing in his faith. And he becomes a great leader in the church of Ephesus. Timothy is mentioned after Paul in the prescript of various Pauline letters as a co-sender of those letters. So as Paul begins to close out his epistles, he, he, he speaks about Timothy. And Timothy is given credit as being a, a co-sender of uh, some of these letters. He's identified in different descriptions which describe his role in the early church. Paul says he's our brother. Paul describes him as a fellow worker. And then on one occasion, Paul says he is, he's beloved and a faithful child in the Lord. Paul looked at him as a son. Paul looked at him as a, as a spiritual son. So you can see how Timothy is growing and maturing. But it started with the faith of a grandmother. It started with the faith of a mom. It started with their experience with the Lord. And then Timothy had an experience with Jesus Christ himself. What becomes obvious through scripture is Lois and Eunice raised a world changer. Now I want to take a moment and define a world changer and give it some context. What I mean by world changer, I mean this, one who loves God. A son or daughter who loves Jesus. A son or daughter who serves the kingdom of God by loving uh, the church, by loving the bride of Christ. I think a world changer is one who surrenders their life to the call of God. Now, lest you think the call of God is preaching and limited to a worship pastor or a youth pastor, let me give you a definition of what the call of God is may be in your life. It may be owning your own business. It might be own, uh, working in the trades. It, it could be working in the business world or working in the healthcare world. Or the call of God may lead you to full-time missions or full-time ministry to the church. See, the call of God leads you to being a witness of his goodness and to being a witness and a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ no matter where you are. 
You may never preach a sermon in a, in, a, in a strict sense of preaching, but you do preach every day where you are. You do preach every day where you live in the marketplace. See, God has called you and planted you where you are. It is a calling. And a world changer such as Timothy is one who uses that calling to promote the name of Jesus and the life of Jesus. He was a world changer. Let's look at Timothy for a moment. Under to write this, he had a good reputation. Go back to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, look at verse 2. It says, Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. The New King James translates it as, he was well spoken of by the brethren. In other words, Timothy had an excellent reputation in the church among the believers. They no doubt observed him. They saw his faith. They saw his willingness, his actions. And all of these things together served to establish Timothy's reputation. But I remind you where it started. It started in Lois, his grandmother. It started in Eunice, his mom. And Timothy, experiencing the climate of the New Testament church, he gave himself to the church. And his reputation began to speak for itself. What we notice about Timothy, as his reputation is being established, he had a reputation of, a heart to serve. I want to show you. Go back to verse 3 of, of Acts 16. Verse 3 says, So Paul wanted, to join, wanted Timothy to join him on their journey. Well, if you see somebody who's a world class, you see somebody who's a world changer, you want them on your team too. Now, this is where you see the wisdom of Paul. You see the, 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 the wisdom of this man of God. He sees a young man who has a great reputation, who's a world changer, who loves God, loves the church, loves Jesus. And he says, I need that young man on my team. He wanted them to join on their journey. And in deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Yeah. Yes, physical circumcision. You ain't trying to be a show. You ain't trying to... That was funny. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be quiet. So you know this man is serious. You know this man has got a heart to serve. But notice what happens. I think it reveals... A servant's heart in young Timothy. Bruce Barton in his commentary writes this. Timothy's excellent reputation in the church and Paul's need for an assistance compelled Paul to invite Timothy to join them on a journey. And he writes, apparently Timothy wanted to go for he submitted to being circumcised before they left. Clearly a mark of his commitment. Now, why, why did he need to be circumcised? Because he accepted Christ. He no longer has to obey the law because you're saved by faith. But Paul knew the audience that they would be ministering to. Paul understood the audience was going to have a whole lot of Jewish 
followers, Jewish people who felt the need to fulfill the law of Moses. So Paul did not want anything to be a stumbling block or a hindrance. And this is where it shows the heart of Timothy. Timothy submitted to that even though he was free from it. Even though he was free from it, Timothy said, I will do it because I don't want to be a stumbling block to someone else. What freedoms are you willing to give up to help someone else to get closer to God? See, you see the heart of a servant because he could have pridefully said, I'm not going to do that. I'm free in Christ. They need to get over it. How many times have we used that verbiage or something similar is they just need to get over it? Timothy was willing to submit to a ritual that would help remove a stumbling block to others so they could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ without offense. It's the heart of a servant. Eunice had raised a world changer. She had raised a young man who desired to give his life for the church, to give his life in serving Jesus and was willing to even sacrifice personal convenience, sacrifice his own spiritual rights in order that others might hear the gospel of Christ without offense. It speaks to the heart of Timothy. He had the heart of a servant. Eunice had raised a world changer, a son who gave himself to love God, to love his church, and to love others. What more as a parent could you ask for? Think of all of this. This is what we want for our children. Being on the other side of parenting where our kids are now married and now they're having kids of their own. What we wanted as parents is we wanted to raise children that love God, that love this church, and that loved others. See, a true world changer is one who loves God, loves his church, and loves others with a biblical agape love. Now, we've established this truth. We've established how the three generations, how God used two women a grandmother and a mom, to impact a young man who went on to pastor the church of Ephesus, to be a leader in the early church, and to be a world changer. So naturally, we ask the question, well, what can we learn from that? What and how can we learn? Let me tell you, one of the things we learn is this. We need to have a memorable faith. We need to have a memorable faith. Go back to our opening passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother and your mother. I remember your faith, Timothy, but I even remember more so the faith of your grandmother and the faith of your mom. Years later, 
Paul still remembered the faith of Timothy's grandmother and mother. Think of this. It's believed that the book of 2 Timothy was written from a dark, damp Roman prison cell just before his death, somewhere between A.D. 67 and A.D. 68. It was during this time the Roman emperor Nero had been slowly descending into madness since his taking the throne in A.D. 64. A process exasperated by the great fire of Rome in A.D. 64 that, that burned half of the city. And the residents of Rome are in an uproar. Christians became a convenient target for Nero. He, who used Christians as scapegoats for his city's own lack of preparedness. And Paul was one of those who was called up in this persecution. And Paul was in prison... He's in prison around the year A.D. 67, and he's awaiting his fate, and he penned these words, I remember. I remember the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. Lois and Eunice were memorable. Let me ask a very pointed question. What will you be remembered for? Paul says, I remember the faith which filled your grandmother and your mom. See, the goal of all of us is to be remembered by our faith, to be remembered by our relationship with Christ. And for our faith to be an inspiration to those around us, Paul is in prison facing death, and he's recalling the faith of those that have meant something to him. And it's two ladies, it's Lois and Eunice. See, Timothy's life was forever altered by the faith of his grandmother and his mother. So I thought about this. How can we be remembered by our faith? We want to be remembered. How can we? I think there's three things. You've got to be intentional. If you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul is reminding Timothy, you were taught... You were taught. You know, teaching is intentional. It's deliberate. You're intentional about teaching them life lessons. You're intentional about teaching them about faith and about relationship with God through Christ. How can we, we be remembered by, by our faith? It must be a person of the word. And that same scripture in 2 Timothy 3.15, you, you were taught the scriptures. His mom and his grandmother were women of uh, the word. They gave Timothy the scripture. You might be thinking, well, listen, I give them the scriptures, but it doesn't do any good. They're, they're, they're not living by it. Keep giving them the scriptures. Keep giving them the word of God because the word will be like a seed. It will be birthed within their heart. And one day it's going to bring forth because God has promised that his word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish the purposes and the plans of God. Eunice and Lois, they gave Timothy the word, the scriptures. How can we be remembered by our faith, be intentional, be a person of the word, and be a model, an example? Paul says, I remember the faith that filled them. 
It's bringing comfort to Paul in his darkest hours, bringing comfort to him as he's trying to lead the church through this difficult time. Paul remembers the faith of Lois and Eunice. Paul is using the faith of Lois. He's using the faith of Eunice as inspiration for Timothy, the next generation. Do we have a faith that inspires the next generation? Paul is encouraging Timothy and he's using the previous generations to inspire him. To say, Timothy, remember. Remember the faith of your grand. Remember the faith of your mom. Be faithful, Timothy. See, we have to have a faith that inspires the next generation. How can you? How can you have a faith that inspires the next generation? Have a faith that stands out. Have a faith that st- has a faith. Have a faith that causes others to take notice. You do this through consistency. You do this by showing up. You do this by being consistent in your walk with God. You do this by, by always praying. What a powerful song they sang this morning. What a powerful song. As we all remember, it, it, it tells a story, and we go back to the mind of, of our mom praying. And, and, and I had the privilege of having grandparents that prayed. I'd walk in their house, and they would be gathered around the table, and they would be praying. I was raised in an environment that when you prayed over the meal, it was a prayer meeting and not a nursery rhyme prayer. <laughs> Literally. I'm, no joke. Our family would get together. My grandma say, it's time to pray. And they would get out of their chair. They would kneel down and the chair became an altar. And 15 minutes later, that cold, that food was getting cold and they were still praying. Do you know what? I remember. Have a faith that stands out. You do this by building on the gifts that God has given you. God has given you a gift of kindness. God has given you a gift of gentleness and faithfulness. Do not be afraid to let your faith shine. Allow your faith to come out for others to see. I alluded to this a few months ago. Let your kids catch you praying. Let your kids Catch you reading the Bible. Let your kids catch you in the house of God, lifting your hands in worship. Now, I know we all express ourselves different, but it is scriptural to lift your hands and worship. It's the word of God to lift your hand. Read the book of Psalms. It's imperative that your kids can look over during worship and see you lift your hands, see you at moments, get, get, get emotional in the presence of God. Show them your vulnerability. Let them see your vulnerability because it will speak to them. Even when you think they're not watching, even when you think they're not listening, even when they're living in open rebellion, keep worshiping. Let them keep catch you praying, calling out to the Lord. My dad told this story many times before he went on to be with the Lord. As a 17-year-old young man, he was living out in rebellion, just living his life. And he'd come in at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. He'd hear his mom praying for him. 
And he tells the story how this one last time it just touched his heart because, because something had happened that night that he really should have had a tragedy and should have lost his life. But he came home and he told the Lord, Lord, if you spare my life, if you let me live, I'm not going to break my mama's heart again. And he went to El Bethel, Assembly of God Church, and he knelt down at the altar and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. I stand here today because there was a grandmother who would not give up even when her heart was breaking. There was a mom who would not give up even when her son was stomping on her heart, crushing her heart. She wouldn't give up. She didn't get angry with God. She didn't get angry with the church. She kept going to church Sunday morning. Back then you went Sunday night and you kept going every Wednesday night and the preacher called a prayer, prayer meeting on Monday night. You were there on Monday night. She kept going, kept believing, kept praying and now there's generations serving the Lord because she never gave up. Don't give up, mom. Write this, have an attractional faith, a faith for others to follow. Timothy, remember, I want you to think back of your grandmother. I want you to think back of your mom. In essence, what Paul was telling him, I want you to follow that faith. It is an attractional Faith. Have a faith for others to build on. I'm building on the faith my dad left. I'm building on the faith my grandparents left. I'm building on that foundation. And church, I want to build on the foundation that they left. Mom, you are so important to each of us. Let's talk about a mother's influence for a moment. Go back to verse 5. I know it's getting late, but just hold on. Verse 5 says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. For you share the faith, a mother's influence. A mother's love is tough, yet at the same time it's soft. Aren't you thankful your mom was tough with you at times? In the same moment, she could also be soft. A mother's love is unrestrained, unconditional, and most like the love of God for each of us. The Lord gave me this. I want to share it with you. A mother who was deliberate in her faith will find a deliberate faith in her children. A mother who was deliberate in her faith will find a deliberate faith in her children. A deliberate faith is a faith which will Live a surrendered life to the Lord, to his plans, to his purposes. See, what we see in Eunice is we see a mother's faith to raise a world changer. Her faith was memorable. Her faith was influential. And what we learn from Lois and Eunice is this. They were willing. This is important. Write the word release. They were willing to release Timothy. It's believed that Lois and Eunice got saved in Acts chapter 14 on Paul's first missionary journey when he first visited Lystra. There was revival that broke out because the supernatural power of God was displayed. I believe revival will break out again when there's supernatural power displayed. May we lean in to the activity of God. 
Acts chapter 16, we have Paul's second missionary journey. He arrives back at Lystra and he's hearing the believers. He's hearing the church talk about this young man, Timothy. He no doubt sees his faith, sees his passion. And Paul probably inquires about Timothy. And it says that, that they all spoke well of him. He had a great reputation. And Timothy says, I want to take him with me on the missionary journey. His mom and grandmother had to be willing to release Timothy. Release Timothy to the call and to the ministry. It's probably one of the hardest things we can do and ever will do as parents is release our kids. Now, it's a little different today than it was in the first century. Because in the first century, it was common for you to live and to die in the same house, the same farm that you were born. Most theologians tell us and church historians tell us that, that most people did not travel beyond three miles circumference of where they were born and they died. So here you have the man of God coming and saying, I want Timothy to go with me. It was also common for generations to live under the same roof. It was common for them to have the grandmama there and, and mom and dad and children and their children under the same roof. It was, it was multi-generational, the same house. But Eunice had to find a place where she released Timothy to the call. Finally, they had to entrust Timothy to the care of God to the protection of God, to the provision of God. You know, in 34 years of pastoring, I've seen parents release their children, and I've seen parents who refuse, and they're always hovering, they're always trying to protect. And at 40 and 50 years old, they're still trying to protect and hovering over their sons. There comes a point in life where we have to entrust our children, the next generation, into the care of God. Release them to the call that God has for them, which might be an entrepreneur spirit, might be starting a business, it might be a, a, a worker in the, in the fields, it may be a business owner, it may be a person working in healthcare, it could be a missionary, full-time ministry. Mom, you can't always control your children. Mom, you got to release your children. It's not spiritual for us to control our children, but it is spiritual for us to release. And it demonstrates our faith in God. Mom, even dads, let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, Mom, Dad, parents, you who are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. And what he means by evil, he just means by being born in this broken world, being born in this flesh. When your kids ask for a piece of bread, you're not going to give them a stone. When they ask for something, you're not going to give them a snake. You're going to do your best to bless. You're going to do your best to help them. How much more will your heavenly father, who's not tainted by evil, 
not tainted by the brokenness who's eternal, how much more will your heavenly father give them the kingdom of heaven? If you want to see your kids succeed, how much more does God want your kids to succeed? We learn a powerful lesson today from a mom and from a grandmother. They had a faith that was memorable. They had a belief of inspiring the next generation, a faith that inspired their son and grandson. But they also had to come to the place of releasing him into the call of God upon his life. You'll never find true freedom, true joy, until you can release your children. And for clarity's sake, I'm not talking about four and five-year-olds. But I am talking about 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23-year-olds. Because if you don't release them today, you'll find that you're still trying to make excuses for them at 40 and 50. God meant for you to have a faith that will inspire them. Mama, trust your heart. Trust what you have done in them and give them to the Lord. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for this teaching moment. I thank you for examples in the word like Lois and Eunice that Paul some 20 something years later as he's writing the book of 2 Timothy he still remembers he still remembers that first experience he still remembers that first missionary journey it took place around AD 47, 48 and 20 years later he's writing talking about the faith of Eunice and Lois I pray that we'll have a more memorable faith. I pray, God, that we'll have a faith that inspires the next generation. And God, I pray that we, that we'll be willing to release, to release our children into the hands of a good, good God. You'll care for us. You'll protect them and you will provide for them. And Lord, help us to commit to raising the next generation of world changers who will love God, love his church, and love others. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, heal the hurts. Holy Spirit, empower the weak. Holy Spirit, comfort the mourning. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. Can we stand together?